0: Let's cut to the chase. The world of work is changing. There is no stopping that change. Welcome to the Better Work Project, brought to you by the team at SoftEd. I am your host, David Mantica, and joining me as co-host is Andy Cooper. In this podcast, we will explore the changing world of work, what the future of work means, how it affects businesses and workers alike, and how we can create more productive and engaged workplaces. I hope you join us for the ride. Enjoy. So I want to welcome every, everyone to episode two of the Better Work Project. We're going to be talking about performing under pressure, how to override your survival system in times of pressure to not only cope but thrive. But before we get into that, and you now this is our second episode, and I, th- I think it would be really cool if Andy and I introduce ourselves. So we'll start with Andy. Andy, kind of give the, the folks out there a perspective on who you are. Sure. Hi. Andy, uh, based here in Wellington, New
1: Zealand, uh, currently under lockdown for the next four weeks. Yeah. Um, so having some quiet time and well, not so quiet time. Um, my role at uh, SoftEd is um, I um, manage uh, part of our global organizations, predominantly focusing on Asia. I also head up uh, innovation at SoftEd, so help um, define our product strategy. Um, And in my spare time and in my my real interest is in this whole area of new ways of working. Um, So I've been involved in the business agility uh, meetups, and I've also been involved in the
0: uh, IC Agile business agility track formation. Uh, So that's about me. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Now on to me. So as you can kind of hear, there's a couple of the different accents going on, right? So my name is David. I'm from good old America, you know, ugly America, us ugly Americans. Um, I'm from Cary, North Carolina. That is a state in the, in the United States of America. We're actually the 10th most populous state in the country now, which is pretty amazing for a sleepy little southern state that we once were. So I too work for SoftEd, I too run a geography. So we are a little startup here in the United States, started up in 2017 by Andy. Andy started up initially and got it to a certain level and now uh, myself and Kenzie Weish are running the the geography for SoftEd, which is really exciting. I too love to present and love to talk about different ways of working and talking about how people work together and the issues and challenges associated with that. Um, Just like Andy, too, I do a lot of outside reading and a lot lot of outside presentations as well. So this is kind of what connects the two of us, even though we're on like polar opposite sides of the world, right? And although his accent's cooler than mine, right, I'm a bit more annoying, so that makes it a little bit more fun. Andy, do you have any thoughts on the perspectives from the two polar, the two opposite sides of the world?
1: Uh, Well, it's fun. Um, I mean, David and I, we, we enjoy uh, good banter. Um, we agree on a lot of things and disagree on a lot of things, um, but that's, that's really good. And it's good uh, to see um, how there are a lot of things that are common, but there are some definitely different perspectives that come from living in different places.
0: Yeah. That crazy. I found that so intriguing too. And it's been a wonderful learning experience from my perspective to see that because I think that's the one thing that Americans get a bad rap for, which is true is that we, we're, we kind of get focused on ourselves and we don't think about the rest of the world. And this has really helped me break through some of that um, kind of self, self-cloistering, if you will. Now, I'm sure it drives a lot of you guys crazy out in the rest of the world because of that. Oh, no, we're
1: just used to it. So
0: <laughs> exactly, see, exactly. So let's jump into this. This um, topic. So, episode two: performing under pressure. And you know, certainly, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of VUCA—volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Um, associated with the COVID-19 situation, you know, and as we rectify that and move forward to the future, hopefully saving as many lives as possible, there's going to be more turbulence, more volatility, more stress, more aggravation going into the future. So I think this is a great topic, and I, I, it's a great, great topic for you and I to talk about. And the the first thing we want, kind of want to chat about was let's talk a little bit about some of our examples of working under pressure or watching somebody work under pressure or watching a group work under pressure and you know, kind of what we learn from that. So Andy, would you like to go first? Do you want me to go first?
1: Uh, No, I'll go first. Um, Excellent. So I'm working at SoftEd over the last nearly 10 years. I've ended up having a range of different roles and hats um, as you do in a small to medium organization. About four or five years ago, I, um, decided that it would be interesting to become the ed CIO. Um, and at the time, I saw that we had um, some rather uh, outdated equipment. Um, we were living, most of us living in Wellington, which is an earthquake risk. And uh, I sort of felt that we needed to sort of take the business forward to be able to protect us from uh, you know, risks that I saw at that time, um, let alone the ones we now have. So as part of that, we embarked on quite a large... Uh, ambitious uh, and somewhat risky proposition to upgrade the whole, basically, uh, environment at SoftEd. Um, And we went from, you know, like uh, the sort of operating system and systems that were designed about 15 years prior to the bleeding edge um, OS and at that time Windows 8, which was brand new um, in one go. Um, Now, the issue with that was that there weren't um, a lot of processes to take us from so far back to so far forward. Um, And it was a lot of risk to take on. Uh, But I felt at the time that it was um, one that was necessary to help us move to a cloud based environment, uh, which would serve us better in the future. We started that.
0: Were you intrigued <laughs> so, to see? Were you intrigued to see some of the reactions? Like you presented this opportunity, were there some people that thought the sky was falling? Were there some people that were jumping on the bandwagon? Kind of give us a sense of what was going on around you.
1: Uh, well, I think everyone saw that we needed to to move forward, um, but they didn't really quite understand how much risk we were taking in doing so. So I didn't allow everyone to know all of that. I felt that um, if I did that, everyone would get scared and paralyzed, and we wouldn't do anything um and it all went we we did this all over a weekend and it went quite well um up until it didn't uh and then a few things that um (laughs) things started falling over and then it cascaded it sort of went (laughs) (laughs) to the point where we couldn't communicate with australia um to help upgrade
0: their systems we broke the connection to that um oh i'm sure the australians love that andy i'm sure the australians were very excited
1: Oh, well, everything <laughs> fell apart, basically. Um, and so I was sort of sitting there thinking, oh, um, what do we do? Um, because literally not, no system in software was working. And this was come Sunday night and everyone was coming back into work the next Monday. Um, and so that sort of started just two days of almost hell. But really, it was for me the, probably the best experience I had of how to try to learn to cope under pressure where there was a balance between communicating you know what's going on so people understood what you're doing and stopping and then assessing what was going on seeing what was working what wasn't working um and then getting on and doing stuff um and and i learned a lot during that which was um you know about the triaging about sort of you have to communicate; otherwise, people go ape um, and don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's um, so true. <laughs> but but also, you need to get stuff done um, and be quite deliberate. So it was incredible, um, stressful, um, but for me, growing opportunity for me to learn about you know all of that in a very uh, uh, stressful and time. But the good thing was that I sort of realized i had soft awareness to know that when i was starting to lose lose it so i could sense that i was just literally my mind was racing and i couldn't think of anything so i could i realized i had to step back and just stop and then refocus um and that everyone was looking at me and looking for me to provide the clarity and leadership about what to do i didn't know what to do i just said had to give the clarity
0: that's interesting you say that that because
1: bring the calmness yeah um, everyone sort of feel like that we were making progress and, and it was confidence as well like hey we're making progress we're fixing things let's just work through it so it was you know it, you know it was two days of hell but um, I learned a lot about um, performing under pressure and I learned a lot about myself um, and I learned a lot of things that I needed to help fix over time in terms of how to deal with that better.
0: Any one technique that you use that really really shone through was it the communication technique? Was it the sitting back and thinking and processing? Was it, you know, trying to let your co- cognition work instead of letting your fight, flight, or freeze mentality take over? What are, what are some thoughts when you think back to it?
1: I think it was a combination, really. It was a, yeah. It was first stepping back um, to just get that clarity um, and then providing the clarity to, to the rest of the people, um, listening to what, what was going on, and being able to adjust and respond quickly, um, and then that communication was critical as well to let people know what was going on. So I think that was probably the thing that I probably didn't do as well. And I realised that I needed to stop and spend time to let people outside of the team know what was going on, um, to let them be aware of it and be, be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably the lesson that. That's a hard one when you're in the thick of it. You're trying to fix things uh, to stop and communicate what's going on is, is actually um, a necessary but hard thing to do.
0: What's interesting about that, it goes back to something called effective forecasting. It's an economic and psychology term. And what happens is left to our own devices, we explode the negative impact of anything. So when you don't communicate and nobody's hearing stuff, they're just thinking the worst. Oh, the sky is falling. We're never going to communicate again. We're never going to make another dime of revenue. We're never going to do this. We're never going to do that because we overblow the, emph- the negative impacts. And it's funny that, you, that that story shows that clearly, right? Felt that. Then you started communicating more and then it calmed things down. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. That, that calmness brings calmness to other people as well. So you're... Um uh, mental state and ha- what you project is, uh, is really important as well. So if you're calm, other people
0: um, become calm. You know, that's so interesting. As I go back to my scenario, I, I have two vivid memories. One was of the nine eleven attacks and I was a younger manager at that time and a, and a young product manager. And I was amazed at, you know, some of the leaders who I had a great deal of respect for how they kind of just broke down and, paralyzed with fear and anxiety and all these people needed help they were scared and I remember one situation in particular where they everybody just wanted information I just went home and got a tv and plugged the tv in and you know got the the signal over the air so people could see so they could at least function and it was surprising to me you know and it was kind of scary because I was never really schooled in this whole, you know, psychological impact of stress and managing under stress. So seeing it vividly is it, still painting a pretty strong picture. And for me, what I attacked at that point was I really tried to control what it was that I could control and try to break down each one of my tasks into smaller elements to try to get things done, get this, like you said, like get this done, then get this done, then get this done. And so there's a lot of connections there. And then, The other piece, which was, you know, which was, I was more of a stronger, I was not stronger, but I was definitely the one in charge was the 2009 Great Recession, specifically in the U.S. You know, it got pretty catastrophic for a while and, you know, making decisions and having to communicate and then, you know, trying just to believe. I think that was key for me is to to take that step and actually believe that things were going to be okay and not fall to that whole idea of making it, making mountains out of molehills around the fact that we're not going to get out of this. So those were my two scenarios and very similar. I mean, it's just interesting. You, unless you're practiced, you're not ready. And if you're not ready, then, you know, things can get really bad unless you have the emotional intelligence to deal with it. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, well, interestingly, if you think about the the way
1: you know the brain and the different systems you have, um, the thinking part of the brain the um, is actually not very good in dealing with new situations, um, and so you know it will then you'll automatically be taken over by the by the 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 other parts of the brain, um, which is where the problems can. Arise. Uh, right. So it's getting those two things in balance that's really going to be key to sort of managing and performing under pressure.
0: It's interesting. And that's where, you know, as we start talking about their psychological system, one of the things that drives me crazy. As people talk, some people say it's really good to have adrenaline. It's very good to be a little stressed and a a little bit agitated as you're attacking a problem. And from a physiological standpoint, that's not the case. Adrenaline and another stress hormone called cortisol actually impacts your ability to cognate. So it it effectively reduces your ability to critically think and analyze the situation and do the deep thought necessary to kind of take a more step-by-step approach. You know, we, we want to take a systems approach to dealing with adaptive problems, but in the high stress situations, sometimes it's better to take one step back and handle thing, handle each piece one at a time, then go from the tree to the grove, from the grove to the woods, the woods, to the forest, as you kind of can see more. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, it does. I think there's one element I'd add to that. So, um, you know, if we go and if we think about the, the brain and the different systems, um, the front part of the system is um, quite likes being quite passive. So um, in a way you still need the energy that you get from, um, you know, from the more limbic part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that really is gives you your energy, but it's really um, it's really just having that under control. That's the key. So you don't want to be over, over, you know, overridden by that to the point where you get into the fight, um, flight and fear response that people would, would otherwise get. And also then with that comes the, you know, as you talk about cortisol, you know which creates a lot of downstream problems with people's health, uh, stress, you know, all sorts of horrible things. So there, you know, it's a balance like everything. I think um, when you're performing under pressure, you, you really need the energy you get from, from some of that. The adrenaline does give you the energy that helps you really, um, uh, you know, do the the work, but it's having that under control. So I think that's the key thing, and not allowing um, too much of that to sort of impact your work um, and to to get into that negative spiral, which then creates the you know stress and everything else. So yeah. I, I sort have a slightly different but, uh, view on that, and I think that you do need some of that, mm-hmm. but not not over, not too much all the time.
0: No, I get your point, and I uh, what I see is the fact that. If you let it go too far, then you're going to have what you call pre-absenteeism stuff, and you're going to have traumatic stress syndrome after the fact. And that's where some of my concern is: is people rely too much on the on the stress hormones of energy. Then ultimately, when we come out the other side, there's going to be a lot of a lot more cases of depression, cases of anxiety, and post-traumatic based on what situation they've gone through and you're starting to see some of that stuff out for the nurses and the doctors and what people are talking about and concerned about for them going into a year from now or a year and a half from now. Absolutely. And burnout, you know, people just literally yeah. um, not being able to sustain,
1: sustain it um, you know, and mentally just getting exhausted. Um, I mean, those are absolutely real issues that um, come from, you know, sort of uh, burning too much too fast and too long.
0: So it's almost like a balancing scenario. So one of the things as we start talking about um, going into some more practical steps, the idea of balance, I, I joked at a podcast recently that I've been taking a nap every day. It is a very stressful environment. We have some challenges, but that nap helps me decompress and get myself back. So I'm not just trying to, I'm not burning, I'm not burning too much energy and so much energy that I can't cognate. Effectively. The other thing I'm doing is I'm not sucking into all the inputs out there. I, I'm, I'm reading the note. I, I'm looking online for news. I'm hearing some news, but I'm not absorbed in it to the point that it overcomes me. And then I start, I start cognating just on the ramifications of that. And I start going into this whole lost regret process. And I don't do anything because I don't believe anything's going to work. So have you thought through some of, the, what, some of the things you've been doing to try to control or de-stress in times of pressure and stress? Sure. Um,
1: (laughs) I think coming back to what I was talking about, that example before, it sort of gave me some good um, clues as to uh, uh, where I needed to focus. Um, And so, you know, I think uh, being interested in this area, I've sort of naturally just kept studying and thinking about how do I um, get better at that. So, for example, just recently I've been reading a book um, which we can put into the notes called Perform Under Pressure. It's by um, a guy called Dr. Kerry Evans, who happened to be a, a top uh, sports um, athlete, um, a Rhodes Scholar, a a, a, a clinical um, psychiatrist, um, and also a consultant to a number of the top sports teams in the world. So, and a bionic
0: man—he's—he's uh, he's everything. He's a renaissance man.
1: That's pretty cool. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that you call—he's uh, definitely an overachiever. But. Um, <laughs> But he's the book he's written is because um, he because he does provide um, advice to not only to sports people but to clinic clinicians and all sorts of people that have high high stress performance um, pressure. It's a fascinating um, insight into how to um, to take you know be able to um, manage and deal with pressure. Um, but at the top level as well. So obviously, you know, I'm striving to be at the top level. Um, on a good day, I might get close on it in a few things, but I've got a long way to go. So I found it really useful to look at some of the techniques that he um, talks about. And one of the ones that I've started using recently, um, which is I found really helpful, is um, is this uh, whole um, notion of what he, he talks about when you start becoming aware that you know you're Um, perhaps slightly getting out of control. Um, You know, either you're starting to get annoyed about something or you're starting to feel pressure build. Um, He's got this three step technique, which I found really helpful. Um, And there's a a number of ways of he describes it, but, you know, um, the one that I sort of remember is this um, three, three things to to do. Um, Firstly, or actually four, if you include the breath, first thing to take um, three Um, Deep breaths, um, you know, so get breathing under control and that helps calm your system. It literally um, will help signal to your brain that um, to to stop that limbic uh, response and actually start um, coming under control. So the deep breathing is the first thing. Second thing is um, assessing where you are on on a scale between um, highly stressed and under control. And thinking about where you sit within that, that's the first step. Um, then the next thing is um, having decided that you're um, under stress. Um, the next thing to do is to be able literally be able to step back from that and almost like lift yourself above the situation. Um, and then think about, okay, so what's actually happening here? Um, why am I responding this way? Um, And what, 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 why is, you know, why is that other person asking that question or whatever that uh, situation might be, and then literally have this frame around a big picture of what's going on. And that act of creating that big picture will literally help shift your mind away from, you know, the thing that triggered you into feeling um, maybe annoyed or or afraid to actually really starting to get clarity about the situation that you're in. And then the third thing is having been, having grabbed that awareness of the situation, then it's being able to respond. Um, And obviously in this case, it's being able to respond in a, in a positive way that takes, um, takes advantage of you having that situational awareness. Um, And for me, I found that really powerful because that helps me step step back from my initial response, which maybe uh I'm quite annoyed about something to a more calm and measured approach which takes into it into a, um you know the context of what that other person or what's going on in the bigger picture. So that's one thing um that I've personally found really useful. Um well I liked I about another-
0: what you said. What I liked about what you said there was the fact that it was positive. I mean yeah i think people have to be direct and they have to be honest during times of pressure but you have to be positive because people read tone so as long as your words might be saying everything is going to be okay but if your tone is negative then what you're saying isn't going to register with them i think that's really important
1: yeah and a couple of other things uh, quickly so um there's other one that he talks about called um mr three things so um, that sort of comes back from the perspective that, you know, bad things will happen. So, um, you know, something goes wrong, then something else goes wrong, then you can expect at least the th- another third thing. So just become almost joke about the fact that Mr. Three Things or Mrs. Three Things is there um, and be able to sort of take that as, well, that's just the way things are. Hopefully you're prepared for, for those scenarios and um, and actually find them somewhat amusing, but um, to reframe it as not, it's not – Um, um, what he would call as a poor poor me loop take yourself out of that into a okay well that's happening that's sort of funny then how do I deal with that Um, so that's one thing Um, and then the other one which I personally find very useful and I think you talked about that before David is this um, this whole concept of three circles Mm -hmm. so when you're feeling under stress um, create uh, you know literally do three circles Um, label one can't control um, one can influence and then the third can control um, and write all the things that are going on. Um, and then obviously the whole, by writing them down, you actually realize that a lot of the things you're worried about are the things you can't control. Yeah. So actually help exactly. reframe it to focus on the things that you can control. And that really does help provide you the clarity and also makes you a lot more calmer when you realize that most of the things you're worried about are things you can't control. It's like right now, I mean, the whole COVID-19 um, problem we've got is something that we can't control. So let's focus on the things that we can control and, and that will help us get it, get us through this. Um,
0: now what's you know, amazing what too, that about, about everything you talked about there as I was processing it, I kept thinking about emotional intelligence, about emotional intelligence. So, you know, without strong emotional intelligence, you can't even do the self analysis and self retrospective to actually be able to deal with the stressor and the pressure and stress. So it's almost like emotional intelligence, which then does, you know, you're self aware, then you can manage yourself, you're situationally aware and you can manage the situation. If you can't have that basic understanding and at least be able to, you know, look at yourself, then it, it's not going to work at all. And what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that makes sense? Uh, absolutely. I mean,
1: you know, I think that that's what differentiates humans from from most animals the whole metacognition which is you know being able to think about thinking um but that comes back to you're right it comes back to self-awareness it comes back to um a growth mindset so uh, you know we expect that we need to grow and learn and part of that is to be aware of ourselves um and aware of the situations and uh, times when um when people expect us um and when they need us to to be able to perform under pressure so um, that will come back, come back, you know, when come from a desire to continue to, to grow yourself.
0: Now we'll probably do a whole podcast on this next topic, but just wanted to give the group a little bit of time from your perspective on adaptive leadership as a tool to deal with this turbulent VUCO based scenarios and deal with pressure. So from your perspective, when you look at adaptive leadership, you know, how is it a good tool to deal with pressure leadership and dealing with pressure situations?
1: Ah, okay. Well, as you said, we're going to do a, a webcast on that soon. So we'll have a lot of time to talk about that in detail, but but
0: I think... And hopefully a podcast too. I hope we do it on here as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, but, I, you know, again, adaptive leadership is a mindset, right? So it's it's a set of practices and principles that you 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 apply, um, which are situationally specific. And, and really they're suited uh, perfectly to the current time. Um, so if you think about some of the things that adaptive leaders do so what i think the things that really help people in this sort of time is clarity of purpose so what am i as a team member um what's my role and how do i create value for the organization now right now that will be very different perhaps from from what it was a few weeks ago so as a leader being able to reframe things to give those people that clarity of purpose for the now is really really important helps people feel like they're um, part of the solution and it helps them take them out of this um, negative loop that, you know, we keep talking about. So I think that purpose, you know, what, what are we here to do? How do we help our customers is really important. Um, And then providing them the ability to, to be their best, to do their best work, um, you know, through your support, um, through allowing them to, to experiment, to try new things, um, to back them up when those things don't work, which they often won't. Um, And, and, and just you know within the environment create an environment with them and the rest of the team where that people feel safe to be able to speak up and um, we we talked about the last time about radical candor where we can have radically candid conversations um, based around respect um, so so that's what I think adaptive leadership you know really is is creating an environment um, for you and your team that allows them to have a clear purpose um, to to have to trust them to get Things done, uh, give them the freedom to to do that. Um, uh, be there and support when they need it, which they really do at the moment.
0: So when I start hearing everything you said, I kind of put a little box together, and I and I start and and, and as we talk through this box, let me know your thoughts on this. So the first thing is, under pressure, you have to fight your natural body's instinct. So our body's Olympic systems can have a natural instinct to do opposite in a lot of cases. What we need to do to handle the stress and the pressure, it's going to want to fight. It's going to want to get angry, or it's going to want to freeze and stop working, or, yeah. or it's just going to be paralyzed. So we have to fight that. So that's step number one. That makes sense. Yep, absolutely. And then step number two is we have to be able to self-analyze and self-assess. So we have to have the emotional intelligence of self-understanding and self-management. And then we have to use some of the techniques that we were talking about when dealing with pressure. And your four techniques that you talked about were so strong. The breathing technique is a very simple technique to get your brain back so you can do some heavy cognition. And then the the nap technique that I talked about and there's, you know, being positive is another technique. So any,
1: any- Sorry, like going for walks um, as yes. well. So take, taking time out. Um, even when you're really busy and it sounds um, counterintuitive, but going for a 45-minute walk and having a break um, is incredibly rewarding um, and will probably give you um, not only the physical benefits, but you'll come back with some really good ideas from that. So that, that's the sort of thing that's sort of counterintuitive, but it's really worth doing. Take breaks. Um, because oh, it does... Sticky because talk. it goes
0: back to your idea of putting the three, three squ- circles together. Because what you're going to find out is you might be busy, but on things you can't control. Yep. Your mind is busily thinking about things that has, you should not be thinking about. So when you do that, you realize you have more time and you can control the stress. So that's the third stage is getting a handle on what you can control and proactively acting on that. And then I think this last step is, okay, if you have yourself and those three things under control, then you use adaptive leadership to help others.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think to to create that positive climate, some things that that I found really useful. Um, I mean, these are general things, but um, things like uh, gratitude. So make a focus on being, uh, you know, thinking about things that you should be grateful for, um, and have that permeate your thinking. So start the day with, you know, literally writing down things that you're grateful for. Make a real habit and effort to be to express your gratitude to others so that um, they feel valued. Um, and I think that's really important at the moment that we make the real effort when people are scared to really give them to be grateful for what they're doing. Um, even if it's just coping, that's fine. Um, yeah, I agree so, with that. Um, so that's a really important attribute of a leader is, is gratitude um, and being grateful yourself. And that helps you at a good frame and being, and then showing that to others. I think journaling's another thing that's really um, journaling mindfulness are different techniques that really can help um, so you can have a nap like you or you could use mindfulness um, as another sort of approach to help yep. um, calm your mind so there's, there are lots of ways but journaling is another one as well that a lot of people find very valuable as a way of um, dealing with things as well and processing things and reflecting and, and it's in that reflection that we, we grow You know, so I think that's why journaling is powerful because it helps us to you know, make sense, sense making, make sense of what we've done um, and think about what we need to do um, and improve. So that's why journaling is definitely recommended as sort of one of those um, self-improvement techniques, because that's the time to stop and think and reflect
0: and then think about what I need to do next. You know, as we kind of summarize and close out, I'll start first and I'll pass it over to you. Everything we talked about ties back to me in a very simple thing. It's, it's like when you're on the airplane, they talk about the, the, the gas, the, the oxygen mask coming down. You have to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child next to you. And everything we talked about, if you're a type A leader and you want to go out and sell, save everybody, you can't do anything for anyone unless you can help yourself first. And understanding your body, understanding how your body reacts, understanding the techniques to control the stress and the pressures to help you cognate, then helping others, I think is very important. So put the, put the oxygen mask on your face first before you go out there and try to put oxygen masks on everyone else. And so what are some of your final thoughts, Andy? And we'll close out until the next time.
1: Um, I, mean, I think that's a very, very good summary. I agree. I think, you know, start with you, um, get yourself um, under control, Recognize that um, you know uh, the there are going to be things that will trigger you into into a str- uh, into stress. Um, um, try and manage that, deal with it, um, and then from that um, you're in a good position to be able to help help other people. Um, so there are lots of different ways of, of actually doing that and dealing with um, stress and pressure. we talked about a lot of those different things, um, but now's the time you know for for, for us as leaders to to really um, you know, take on the, the, the you know, challenge that we have uh, in, a positive, in a positive way and help lead our people through you know, this time. So now's the
0: time. Well, man, Andy, thank you very much from my side of the world back to your side of the world till we meet again on the next podcast. Thank you all and keep safe and keep helping others when and if you can. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Better Work Project. If you like this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. If you have specific suggestions or ideas for future podcasts, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Continue to fight the good fight. We'll see you the next time on the Better Work Project. Thank you.